This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Today I'm joined with a really amazing occupational therapist. He is the o- an OT and the owner of the Center for Work Rehabilitation at the Fontana Center, which has two locations in Lafayette, Louisiana, and in Eustis, Texas. Uh, hello, Mr. Paul Fontana. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for mm-hmm. calling me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what work rehabilitation is? Sure. I, um, I, I establish fit-for-duty programs for um, industrial customers, so helping them to um, make sure that the people that they're hiring can um, do the work that they're hired to do, and then if they've been injured and uh, attempting to return to work, help them to uh, either to rehabilitate back to where they can get back to their former job or any of their uh, other occupations they may have, um, and then do ergonomics and injury prevention programs. Wow, that is so, so interesting. There's definitely an area of practice that is different um, from most practicing practitioners nowadays. How did you get into this area of practice? What, what did your career journey look like? Well, I, I graduated um, from the LSU uh, Occupational Therapy Program uh, back in 1976, and then I moved on to Augusta, Georgia, where I worked for four years in just general acute care kinds of stuff. Moved to Indiana, uh, worked in northwest Indiana as a chief therapist of a couple hospitals. But I was working for a a contract company. And this is, again, 40 years ago when contract companies were not very common. The company that I went to work for was fairly small at the time. Um, And our boss knew that he needed to train uh, therapists to become managers or we'd become unmanageable. And I just happened to be one of the therapists he selected to do that. Um, so over the next eight years, the company grew pretty significantly. We went from, I guess, a half a dozen therapists to 300 therapists in nine different states. And I moved up to uh, director of operations. So part of my role as director of operations is to figure out where we're going based on the environment that we're experiencing. Well, back in the mid-'80s, Medicare had some pretty significant changes that was going to adversely impact our business. So my role was to figure out where we're going to go. So I heard about this program back that was called Work Hardening, uh, started by a a gentleman by the name of Dr. Leonard Matheson and an, an occupational therapist, Linda Ogden, out in California. So I went out and spent some time with Lynn and came back and told my bosses, I think this is where we ought to go. It's, a, it's an area of practice that nobody's doing. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not Medicare or federally funded. Companies are paying for it. Um, and my company decided, no, they were in the medical business. They were going to continue doing what they were doing, which was hospitals and outpatient clinics, etc. So I decided to do it. I grew up in South Louisiana, so my wife and I decided to move back to Louisiana and and open up a business and see if we could make it work. Wow, that is so, so interesting. Really, really interesting and amazing. Wow. Um, 
And can you tell me, I mean, what does your daily schedule look like at this point um, and what the therapists that work at your facilities, what do they do on a daily basis? Can you explain to us like, sure. what that looks like? Sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> a, a lot of what I do um, is in establishing the, the protocols is um, I go on site and evaluate jobs. I evaluate them and write the physical job descriptions in quantifiable, measurable terms. So I don't use terms like frequently lifting or carrying, but rather spell out exactly what does it mean for each individual company. Mm-hmm. So I've gone 250 miles offshore on the offshore drilling rigs. I've, I've written the physical job descriptions for 23 offshore drilling companies, a dozen offshore production companies. I've gone to the North Slope of Alaska to develop a program for BP up there. I've been in probably 15 different states evaluating jobs in paper mills and pulp plants, um, box plants, salt mines, 1,900 feet down into the salt mines, on boats, etc. So once I develop the physical job description, then we can develop protocols that would allow us to test those individuals um, based on those descriptions. So the clinics that I have, the one here in Lafayette, the industrial OT clinic is a 7,000 square foot warehouse clinic. The one in Houston is a 5,000 square foot warehouse clinic and we simulate work. So the majority of the folks that we treat or we evaluate, they don't work in air conditioned. So my clinics are not air conditioned or heated. So in South Louisiana and South Texas, when it's 95 degrees and 90% humidity, so is my clinic. The clinic that I put together in uh, Newfoundland, Canada, or um, Anchorage, Alaska, they don't heat the clinics because, again, those folks aren't going to be working in in the heated environment. So we try to simulate the environment as best we can, as well as the, the actual job or the critical component of the job. That is so, so interesting. Wow. I mean, most people would not even think about that, but that is really, I mean, that's amazing. You really pick apart each job description and what it entails and you simulate it. That is really, really amazing. And the therapists that you um, employ, what do they do on a daily basis? Well, um, they'll be in either of the two clinics that we have actually evaluating individuals. So. Um, we've got uh, probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 customers that we do post-offer testing. So under the Americans with Disabilities Act, when ADA came into being, companies could no longer ask medical questions. Um, well, the thought was, the fear was that, you know, they were going to be hiring people who were disabled that would not be able to do their job and they would be getting all these work injuries. Well, I was already working in that capacity. I had a clinic that was um, simulating work, so basically... My, my folks now um, have the, the uh, new hires coming in, and we put them through these four to four and a half hours of simulated work activities. So the OTs are doing musculoskeletal assessments. They're doing provocative testing where we're looking for issues, um, using good clinical reasoning to make sure that the individuals are not going to put themselves at risk of injuries. And then we teach proper biomechanics um, and then help these guys or evaluate these folks as they're going through their task um, for whatever job it was that they've applied for. So uh, three and a half to four hours of simulated work, the OTs are assessing their abilities to safely do that. If they have issues that are putting them at risk of injuries, then we document that as far as 
why we might need to do something different or why we might need to terminate the test that is no longer safe for them to uh, continue in that hiring process and then give them recommendations of what they might be able to do if they still want to go to work for that company, whatever it is to resolve the issues that they may have. So the therapists are actually evaluating people every day. We also do um, functional capacity evals, which is uh, a more extensive eight-hour-a-day, three-day-in-a-row assessment of a person's abilities. We do work conditioning. We do work hardening. Um, So that's what the therapists would be doing day in and day out. Wow, it sounds like an amazing, amazing area that you're working in, and you really have a good setup, um, so organized, so structured, and definitely so functional. What about success stories? Do you have any success stories in particular that you're proud of that you can tell us about? Sure. Um, <clears throat> just as a, a overall, um, one of the major drilling companies that we were servicing um, was spending 70% of their injury dollars on, in, on individuals who had worked for them for less than two to four weeks. Um, we started working with them, um, and in the 21 years that we've worked with them, not one individual that we said was able to go to work for this new hire process, not one individual that we cleared to go to work was not able to stay at work without any modifications in their job for at least the next four months of employment. Um, so the processes that we put in place um, certainly are keeping people uh, active and working. Wow, that's amazing. We had an individual fairly recently. This gentleman worked for one of the railroads um, uh, that's about 60 miles away from us. Um, he's a, a 40-year-old man with um, about an eighth-grade education, really no other transferable skills. He was Uh, working as a a bridge tender for the railroad. So he's making a good living, had good benefits, good retirement, um, and he's able to live in this real small community that really had no other alternative jobs out there. He slipped and fell on his back, broke his back. He had a a double-level fusion. By the time he came to me, he had been about 15 months post-injury. The doc had done a fusion, and he was now on pain management, where he was on narcotic medication and limited to light duty for the rest of his life, permanent restrictions of light duty. The nurse case manager uh, for the railroad company had worked with me on some other cases, so she brought him by so I could talk with him. When he first walked into my clinic and he sees this, you know, this 6,000, 7,000 square foot space with all this work-related stuff, he, he literally stopped and said, I, I can't do this. I'm disabled. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on pain management. I take narcotic medication. He had restrictions that said um, no lifting more than 20 pounds, no stairs, no ladders, no walking on unlevel surfaces, which means this man will never work again for the rest of his life. Wow. He, had, he had four children under the age of 10. One was 11 months old, and he and his wife were expecting another child any day now. So we put him in work conditioning, Mm -hmm. um, and again, he was very fearful, so very, very carefully having to stay with those physician restrictions. um, At the end of the the baseline evaluation, he was pleasantly surprised that he was able to do as much as he thought he could. So we started four hours a day, five days a week, uh, progressive stretching, conditioning, um, but again, staying with those physician restrictions. And you could see 
the psychosocial issues being resolved day after day after day as he's beginning to see that he could do more and more as he's interacting with other clients who are in that same process. So at the end of two and a half weeks, he voluntarily went back to the doc and said, look, you need to, you need to take off some of these restrictions because I can do more. Um, we progressed him into work hardening, so it was eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, at the time, we had to stop for a week because he had a new child. Um, so he was home for a week with that. We had st- and instructed his wife on how to do the progressive stretching that he needed to do, so she was able to do that with him. He came back, and within two and a half weeks of work hardening, we released him to full duty, no restrictions as a bridge tender, and he was able to go back to work full duty. Wow, that's amazing. That is so, so amazing. I'm sure... Let me tell you, let me tell you the rest of the story, though. Okay. So two months later, his wife has a blood clot and dies. So if this gentleman had not gone to work hard and not come through occupational therapy, he'd have had no job, no insurance, no retirement, no benefits. Instead, the railroad came in like a SWAT team. They had counselors. They had uh, they kept his job open. Um, so here it is, two two years post the, this incident. Now his family's intact. He's working. He's got retirement. Um, and he's able to, to maintain his life. He would have wow. not even been able to change his kids' diapers had he wow. not come through our program that because is of so, these restrictions. That is so amazing. I mean, I'm sure you have so many more success stories to share. This is one that is just, like, mind-blowing. Um, I'm sure you have many, many, many more to share. That That is so amazing. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear that... OTs throughout the U.S. are doing these amazing things, and what you are doing is really next-level amazing. Uh, I thank you for that. I thank you for assisting those that, you know, that you're able to. I mean, you're making a huge difference in their lives every day and in their families' lives, and I think that is so, so important and so impactful. So thank you. What about, like, failures? I mean, what are some challenges that you face? I'm sure that, you know, starting up the practice and also working in this area of practice may have some challenges. Could you share some? Oh, sure. Um, you know, the um, South Louisiana, the economy basically is an oil-based economy, so we, we rely very heavily on the drilling and production industry. Um, so when the drilling industry goes down, everything, everyone's affected. Um, I've gone from 49 employees five years ago to 11 employees mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. with the, with the uh, oil and gas economy going down like it has, so the, the drilling in the Gulf of Mexico um, being adversely impacted. There's nobody in, in this area. This area is called Acadiana um, mm-hmm. because the, the Acadians from, from Nova Scotia moved down here back in the 1700s. So the Acadiana area, Lafayette is the center of it, They've estimated that we've lost 9,800 direct oil field jobs in the last uh, four years. Um, so again, impacting every aspect of what we're doing. So even the the non-oil field, non-direct oil field, you know, we, we service the, the Pepsi-Cola industry, the beverage industry, the police and the fire, the school boards. Um, they don't have money to do a lot of the projects that they've had set up which again adversely impacts us. So some of the fit for duty and return to work and ergonomic projects that I've had uh, approved initially 
with the school board or with the, the, the municipalities have been put on hold um, because of that. So that's that's pretty impactful on us. I mean, we've we've been able to keep a, a core group of us. My, my office manager's been with me 27 years. I think my administrative assistant's been with me 18 or 20 years. So we've had some people stay with us long term, right. um, even doing some of these downwards. Mm-hmm. Working with injured workers uh, again, some when you, sometimes you, you're dealing with folks that you know you could help them get better and either they're not interested they've they've got a lawsuit filed and they think they can they can win a big lawsuit and they're not interested in getting better and so that can be really frustrating as well sometimes it's the insurance companies just won't approve it even though we go yep we can help them we can help these people they'll just you know whether we'd rather just settle and it's like well settling this guy's case and giving him twenty thousand dollars is not going to help this guy to you know long term whereas we can get them back functioning is what we're trying to do right wow wow I mean definitely difficult but you are doing an amazing job at what you're doing and what your therapists are doing can you share some tips that you would have for new grads or for students that are looking into going into this area of practice sure <clears throat> you know the the biggest um, thing right now is I, I think just therapists we don't we don't think about working in work in industry. Um, I've been very involved with AOTA over the last 40 years and when you look at the numbers, AOTA, I think the, the last numbers I had heard was about 3% of membership say they work in work in industry. Wow. But of those, the great majority of them actually just do outpatient OT for work-related issues. Oh, okay. So those of us that are actually going out into the job, into the job market and evaluating jobs and, you know, um, there's not a whole lot of us doing that. So for therapists that are interested in doing that, you know, the the biggest thing would be to find a mentor, find someone who can help direct you and guide you um, if if your place of employment doesn't do that already. Um, I think it's important that we remember that we're OTs and we don't right. just buy the quick and dirty um, bells and whistles that are out there, the computer software programs that are out there, but rather simulate work. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, I had a case <clears throat> many years ago um, where the, the the individual's job, he was a, a sack hander on an offshore drilling rig. So he's going to be handling 300, 100-pound sacks in a 12-hour day. So when I went to testify at a trial, um, that I thought this guy was able to return to work, and the plaintiff's attorney was trying to say that um, if he had a neurosurgeon who would say his client could not go back to work, of course I would defer to that neurosurgeon. And I said, no, I would not. And he goes, really, why not? You're just an OT. I said, well, your client's job is to handle 100-pound sacks. I'm not guessing that he can lift a 100-pound sack. I watched him lift and carry 300, 100-pound sacks, eight hours a day for five consecutive days. So I can state conclusively, yes, this man is able to safely return to work. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. Amazing. So inspirational for all of us as OTs and so inspirational for students and new grads. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I hope that OTs will go into your area of practice, be inspired, and um, definitely spread the word about the amazing things that you are doing on a daily basis that are helping individuals, their families, and really the community. So I thank you so much for joining us, and be well.
Thank you. Thanks. Bye -bye. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, have a good day. All right.